what's good, everybody? Welcome to a very special episode of The Early Edge. It's one of the best golf weeks of the entire year. And here in the United States, it is our Open. Welcome to the U.S. Open-only episode of The Early Edge. Let's not waste any time. Let's bring in the star of the show. You know him as the incredible host of the First Cup Podcast right here at Sportsline. You know him, Rick Run Good on social media. Rick G., hello, sir. Coach, this is this is a big one. The the U.S. Open, our national championship, it's Tory Pines. They're not going to be able to get anywhere close to what happened here in 2008 with Tiger in the Monday playoff, but it, it is going to be awesome stuff all week long. It's hard to believe when I was doing the research for this year's U.S. Open, I thought there had been other major champions, certainly other U.S. Opens. There's only been the one, just the one, and that was that spectacular uh, grinded out Tiger Woods epic performance uh, in 2008. But this year, we have no shortage of, of, of storylines. And if you want all the mega preview, you can watch the first cut pod mega preview uh, that will be in your feed uh, right now. All right. But for this show, we do six different bets. We like to make it very short and sweet just for you. So before we get to the picks, though, kind of take us through uh, kind of what the good folks at home who follow us can expect this week and kind of the player that should do well on a fast and firm Tory Pines. Yeah, so let's let's remember, this is kind of a weird situation where we get a major championship venue that we see regularly on the PGA Tour. Tory Pines hosts the Farmers Insurance Open. Usually happens at the end of January or early February, but we're getting it again here for a major championship. And it's going to look just a little bit different. It is now a par 71 instead of a par 72. They've converted number six from a par five to a par four to make it more difficult. They've ramped up the rough. You're talking about probably four inches on average, it's Kakuya rough. It's thick. It is really hard to get your club onto the back of the ball. And those greens, those spicy Poana greens are going to be firm and fast. They are going to be devilish all week long. So, Coach, the types of players that I'm looking for, generally speaking, what we've seen in the last handful of U.S. Opens is – Bombers, or at least strong yeah. guys, guys that when you miss the fairway, which you inevitably will, you're going to be able to extract the ball from that rough. Think Bryson, think Brooks. Uh, Gary Woodland has won a U.S. Open. These are the types of golfers that generally find success when the USGA really ratchets up the difficulty. Yeah, that's exactly right. I saw Paul Tesori, who's the uh, caddy for Webb Simpson, on a podcast this week, and he said that it's a lot more uh, – the rough is a lot more difficult closer you get to the green, which is what we didn't see last year. And it's almost like they're Bryson proofing this particular uh, tournament. Do you feel that way? So it's interesting because winged foot crossed the line. Winged foot, the, the fairways were too narrow. Everyone was missing the fairway. And when you're Bryson hitting it 30 yards past that and able to hit it out of the rough better than anyone else, it was it was a runaway. I believe the USGA is aware of that. I think that the fairways are going to be easier to hit. Uh, Bryson's still going to be much further than everyone else. But I don't think this is just a, a one-man show this week. I think they're aware of it, and they're not going to let Bryson run away by six shots again. And also, you're not going to be able to run shots up onto these greens like you could uh, last year in that U.S. Open. This is the fifth of six majors in our wraparound super season, so let's get right to it. Give me two head-to-head -head matchups. This is our bread. It's our butter. Two head-to-head -head matchups you love this week. 
I've got one favorite and I've got one underdog for you. We'll start with the dog. It's Brooks Kepka, the guy that's won two of these in the last handful of years, plus 138 over John Rom. Rom, a huge favorite, minus 175, because of course, the last time we saw him, he was six shots clear at the memorial. But I got to tell you, coach, this number is just, it's too long. I mean, Brooks, even though he missed the cut last week at in, in South Carolina, he still played well off the tee. He still played well on approach. He finds a way to really turn it on at major championships championships and golf is just a weird game. Tory Pines is one that's a bit more random. You don't know what what lie you're going to get out of the rough and 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 Brooksy kind of turns it up and he turns out all the distractions, everything that's going on with Bryson this week and and what's what is and what is not going on with Bryson. Brooksy does not care about any of that. I have him in a matchup over John Rahm and then Terrell Hatton minus 118 over Scotty Scheffler and Hatton probably should have won in South Carolina last week. He lapped the field in strokes gained to green if he only would have lost two strokes putting if he would have lost two strokes putting last week he would have won the golf tournament but instead he lost 3.2 and he finished in a tie for second if he continues that great tee to green play continues to hit his long irons well that's something he usually does i think he can make a lot of noise this week we should point out that normally at the farmer's insurance open they play both courses this Correct. week it's 156 players all on the same south course which is uh, traditionally the more difficult course. I'm glad you brought up the Bryson and Brooks thing quickly <laughs> because if you believe what Brad Faxon said on, on Michael Breed's podcast, um, this look makes Bryson look a little bit soft to me. If indeed this is true, that the USGA called his camp to see if it would be okay with him being paired with Brooks. I have an issue with the USGA even asking instead of just telling them what they're going to do. Quickly, what were your thoughts on that? I think that uh, Bryson has essentially made the wrong decision every step of the way here. Having having fans removed, uh, declining this, even making any decision on this. But I, I think you're right. This starts with the USGA. I cannot remember a time where we started calling players at major championships and letting them decide who they were and who they were not playing with. Uh, either do it or don't USGA. Do not put it in the hands of the players or this is what you get. I'm so tired of hearing people. It's not good for the game. They're not growing the game. If somebody watching CNBC is watching a golf story, that's growing the game, whether you like to admit it or not. It just is. All right, let's move on. Two props, two guys that you think may not particularly, you know, you not want them in a head-to-head because the matchups didn't look right but you still think they could have a good week at the U.S. Open. Who do you like? Yeah, Patrick Reed to finish inside the top 10. There's a lot of things going in favor of Patrick Reed. Not only was he victorious here at the end of January where he won at Torrey Pines, but we know he's a big game hunter. It's it's major championships. It's uh, WGCs. It's playoff events. It's the Tournament of Champions. Those are the wins on his resume. But the big thing for me, Coach, is these putting surfaces, Poana Greens. They grow throughout the day. Very fast growth from this surface. And they're very difficult to play on. But since the start of 2015, the best putter on POA in this field, his name is Patrick Reed. I'm going to take him to finish inside the top 10 at plus 240. And then Adam Scott to finish inside the top 20 at plus 275. And I'm not a huge Adam Scott fan from week to week. But since the tour resumed after their 91-day break last summer, he's only missed one cut. And his better finishes have come on more difficult golf courses. Adam Scott, at this point in his career, is not going to win a birdie fest. He's going to win a grind-it-out type of event like we are going to see here this week. When he played at Torrey Pines earlier this year, he finished 
finished 10th. And his last win came at Riviera, which is another West Coast difficult Poana green surface. It, it co- correlates very well. So I'm going to take Adam Scott to finish inside the top 20. You always do such a great job of kind of targeting players at events like this. You can slice half the field out of the way because of what you just said, that most players don't have the patience to say, oh, I got a double bogey. I'm okay. I just got to get back to even par 100. I can still win. And that's what the U.S. Open is. But most players, they never play that way. And that's why guys like Kepka and Ustazen and Adam Scott can play that way. All right. Give me two players that you think at the end of the day, at the end of the week, will be holding that beautiful U.S. Open trophy and all of the glory and perks and cash that comes with it. Who do you like? I'm going to start with the long shot here. It's Sam ah. Burns at 80 to 1, 8 0 to 1. Sam Burns, uh, his result from January at Torrey Pines looks worse than it actually was. He finished 18th, but he was actually in the final group on Sunday. He immediately four putted the first green and kind of played himself out of it with a 75, but had three really great rounds at Torrey Pines in January. Since then, he has won an event. He has finished runner up, and he's been one of the highest ceiling golfers that we have on the PGA Tour. I like him going back to a place that he found success at in January. He's long enough off the tee. I think he can contend, but I think the winner, it's Colin Morikawa, 22 to 1. There is uh, only one question in Colin Morikawa's game, and it's the putter. But coach, that's always been the question. And here we are, four wins later, a major championship later, two playoff losses later. He could very easily have six wins already in this young career because he is by far, to me, the best tee to green player that we have on planet Earth. And if he puts to even tour average, maybe a little bit worse, he can probably still contend. And if he puts above average, he's going to run away with this thing because that's how good the rest of his game is. When he figures out how to putt at all different places and surfaces, everybody better be very, very, very scared of this young cat who I love, and clearly you love him this week. All right, we are up against it. Grab your paper, grab your pencil. Here is the recap courtesy of Rick G. Here we go. Brooks Kepka plus 138 over John Rom. Terrell Hatton, minus 118 over Scotty Scheffler. Then our props. Patrick Reed, top 10, plus 240. Love that number. Adam Scott, top 20, plus 275. Then, to win, sprinkle a little bit of Colin Morikawa, plus 2200. You like a long shot? Sam Burns. I was shocked at this number at plus 8,000. But sometimes when you got enough guys that are at the top, you got to have the lower number. And Sam Burns happens to be one of those guys. I'm fired up. I love the U.S. Open. Rick, there's nothing better than a West Coast U.S. Open. You see every tee shot, every shot throughout the day, and I'm here for it. All right. A very special major Father's Day weekend. You've got your marching orders. Let's take five of these six tickets straight to the pay window. For my main man, Rick G., for our executive producer, the jeweler, who puts it all together here at the Early Edge, I am the coach. It doesn't matter the sport. We're here for you, and we grind for you. Hashtag, it pays to watch the early edge. Good luck.